right. Um, Jay Espinoza, welcome to Unscripted. What's up? You're coming all the way from San Francisco today. All the way. <laughs> it's like an hour flight. That's pretty cool. But yes, uh, thanks for having me out. It's our pleasure, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first off, I guess uh, massive congrats taking the title of Three Style this year in Taiwan. Thank you. How are you feeling? Um, still excited about it. Uh, just, it's pretty crazy. I don't know. Because it's like... It could, it's such a big deal, I guess, to me. And it was like, once I won the title, I was kind of like, oh shit, like, like I'm a world champion now. I can't, I gotta do things different. I gotta like always have like, you know, photo shoot ready every time I do a video. It has to be like the best possible, like, but that's not really what it is. Um, but that's like at first what I, it was like really overwhelming, you know what I mean? Did yeah. you get like a lot more bookings immediately or? Yeah, definitely. Like, there's people hitting me up that I, have, that I haven't worked with before, new bookings, um, and then, you know, just like uh, the bookings that I've been doing, like clubs, just like uh, kind of, you know, rates go up and stuff like that, like good things. Because how long has it been now? What, a couple months? Oh, yeah. Well, it was uh, the end of January is when I won. So that it's, was when we were all in Taipei. So it's still really fresh and new and... Yeah, it still feels fresh, even though it was, I mean, shoot, what is it, like two, three months ago almost, something like that? Yeah. It feels like it's been moving really, like, quite fast, even since yeah. you won, and now we're here, and it's like, I've been following you for a long time, I've known you for a while, and yeah. just to see the, the time between then and now, and the amount of things that have happened for you, it's like, yeah, yeah. is there a lot of pressure, or, you know, how, do you, how, you, how are you coping with that? It's fun, because I've always wanted this what's going on right now like um i actually had this like tweet i deleted it because i think i just came off the wrong way but um you know like as as like when you're coming up as a dj when you're watching your favorite guys you see like uh not like necessarily like the celebrity but more like the respect from the crowd where where like the dj will show up and people are really there just to watch the dj that's like a goal you always want to be able to like um I want to show up to a gig and just play. I want to do me, you know what I mean? But a lot of times DJs, that's not really their, you're not really there to do you, you're there to play for the party. But I think a li after winning, um, I've definitely been able to do me a little bit more, more. Not where I'm being selfish and I'm just showing up. You know, I know I know where to like get away with certain things, but uh, I've, I've for sure been able to just like do me. And people have been coming to my gigs like to kind of just see what I do right? versus like, there are people that, of course, that just want to hear the music, but there's people there that, like, I could play anything, but if I do some cool shit with it, they'll be like, oh, shit, you know? Totally. Yeah, so that's, they, that's been going on, which is really dope. So they, they kind of want to see you perform, like, technical stuff as well as rock the crowd kind of thing? or Yeah. Like, I just did this party. Uh, Sunny was there, but there was mad people there just to, like, I don't know if that crowd is just always like that, but. What party was this? It was the uh, Fanny Pack party. Oh, shout out Tracy. Yeah, what's up, Tracy? Yeah, but like there was mad people there that I don't I don't know I've never been there, but it seemed like half the room was just there to like fucking I was playing the most random shit. Here you wreck shot. And it was yeah, it was working. That's dope. It felt so cool because after I got done with that set, I was like, damn, people really like came out to see me. Like, what the hell? Because you know DJs, we're just there to rock the party and <laughs> make people happy. We're like we're like providing the soundtrack. But we're not necessarily like the center of attention, even That's, though we're very important. You know, we are the center of what's going on because we're playing the music. But I felt like the center of attention. That kind of brings up an interesting point about um, 
you know, you're you're a DJ and you've played in nightclubs for a long time. Yeah. Now you're a champion. The difference of that, you know, like the expectations of you to kind of perform versus just, you know, how important is that to you just to be able to provide a really good soundtrack to someone's night? I think the performance part is more on me because if you're in a nightclub, like when I'm still, when I go out and do nightclubs, if, if someone books me, like um, I'm playing in Houston on Saturday, right? Uh, it's my first time playing there. I'm not planning on going there and, and doing like a bunch of like DJ routines. Mm. I'm still going to rock the crowd like, you know, how I always do, just like my style, you know, just like club shit. But I'm definitely like uh, being more aware of um, like I have some stuff, like little tricks that I'm going to do here and there. It's not like I'm going heavy on the, the DJ routines in a party. Right. Yeah. You just got to know where you're at. I just like uh, if you're aware of your surroundings, you know, like. If it's like a big ass bottle service club and there's mad like young chicks there just you know partying like I'm not gonna bust some scratch routine. <laughs> yeah, I think that's an interesting thing though. This the the knowing the the time of you know like how that affects a crowd. Like, do they want to yeah. hear that and yeah. playing it by ear? Yeah. Like, because you obviously can flex if you want, you know. But yeah, yeah. who is that appealing to? You just gotta look at the room. I feel like that stuff is more for like small room type shit. Like, you know. Yeah, like that party I was just telling you about, the fanny pack party, it was like a small room. A lot of people were, like the DJ booths on the same level as the dance floor. If you're at a club where your DJ rig is like up away and no one can even see you, like why are you going to juggle? No one right. could even see you anyways. True. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you just got to like check out the vibe and where you're at. So how do you navigate that? Like when, you put, when you're at a, at a club or whatever, or even preparing for a, a, you know, an event, do you go okay I'm just, I'm just gonna pepper this sauce in here and you know maybe lay, lay back yeah. here yeah yeah i mean I, I like to get a group a good groove going first you know like uh when i start i try to like i don't know i do i don't do anything to be honest I, it changes every time i dj like sometimes i'll go in and right before i get on i'll literally just like stop the music and kind of like what's up y'all i'm here motherfuckers like <laughs> i don't say that but yeah. you know like i'll get people's attention and then pick it up sometimes i'll just get on when the dj is playing and i'll just literally mix out of him like and i'll just keep the flow like if the if the opening guy's somewhere that i want to be i'll just pick it up from there mm. but it just depends i don't know like I, I never just do one thing right yeah it's funny you say that actually about talking about speaking on the mic because uh-huh. you know three style you, you don't have a mic you can't speak on the mic you can't but is there a rule that says that you know what i don't know that's that's one for kenny <laughs> Because listen, I never asked, but this year, you know, every every year, like somebody always has something like um, something special. The champions, everybody's like, like Damian Nito did like the talk box thing. You know what I mean? Like uh, Byte had the, Byte had a bunch of shit actually that was dope. But he had like memorable moments. I was thinking this year, like, I'm going to just fucking grab the mic. Because <laughs> yeah. nobody's done it. And that would be like, oh shit, well, he did something different by talking on the mic. Well, that's what I was thinking. Which is not different. Yeah. But nobody has done it i was literally gonna do it but then i was i was like nah i don't want to be that guy but puffy has great you know speaking oh of yeah it, he's amazing yeah puffy has yeah. an incredible presence with a microphone and he didn't do that because i was always wondering like but when he was performing he was yelling and shit like right he wasn't he didn't have a mic but you know how it goes sometimes you could just like yell at people <laughs> that shit works even better because people are like fuck yeah Shout out to, uh, you know who does that all the time? Uh, this guy, DJ Scooter from San Diego. Okay. I don't know if you know Scooter. No, but shout out He's Scooter. He's like an incredible DJ. So hype, full of energy. When he plays, 
he just like turns the volume down and like yells at people <laughs> and people are like yeah like it's you got to see him do it well yeah it's yeah. an important thing though i think uh connecting with an audience yeah um, oh yeah for sure so you you're you're a proponent you're you're pro using the mic or yeah i use the mic a lot not i don't do it like heavy but um i i don't i'm not like um i i'm i just be me like i don't have like uh, i'm not a hype man i'm not kick pre or sure dj scooter but um depending on the vibe i will crack the mic and just I don't know, sometimes i just like talk to people like literally like one time i was playing at this club i was in asia um, I don't even know if this guy understood what I was saying, but he had the exact same shirt as me. Oh, cool. So, like, I just, that's how I started my set. Like, I stopped the music and I was like, I shouted the guy out who had my shirt on. And everybody was like, yeah. <laughs> and I gave him a high five and then I started my set. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it worked. It was weird. Was this like, the same gig? Um, I think I saw you had a book. Um, it was speaking of tricks. No. No. <laughs> oh, man, that was amazing. That was at Fanny Pack. Okay, so yeah. what what's the story there? I I've, I'm really curious. You had a book. There was no story. I don't know. Like I was just, I was playing like Ice Cube, and everybody was like singing every word, and there was like this bookshelf behind me. I don't know. I just thought it would be funny if I could just like I was acting like I was reading the book and I was turning the music down. Like I was kind of being like, it was kind of douchey to be honest, because <laughs> I was just like, like this crowd is so hype. I don't even got to do shit. So just I grabbed relaxed. this book and I just like turned the music off and I was like reading the book. I wasn't really reading it, but you know, I just did it for the camera. For, it was for the gram. For, for sure. the gram. Yeah, it was for sure. That's dope. Yeah. Um, speaking of- Sorry for being douchey. <laughs> it was kind of, but it was funny. Hey, I enjoyed it, man. Yeah. I, I watched it. I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but this is kind of cool. It was funny. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think, I don't know, if you were there, it was even probably better, but- um, Speaking of the internet and social media, yeah, Twitter is uh, something, one of your favorite platforms. Yeah. What? Why is Twitter your preferred? Is that your pre preferred platform? Um, I've always enjoyed Twitter. I enjoy the people who have shit to say. Um, there's a lot of complaining on Twitter, which I don't really like. And I, I mean, I'm sure I'm guilty of it too. But um, I just like when people have something to say. You could really show your personality with words, versus just like you know, people posting pictures, which is cool. Mm. But I don't know. They're, like, I follow a lot of dope people on Twitter that have a lot of dope shit to say. So, yeah. And then, you know, it's, like, funny to read people venting. Just kind of, like, entertaining, I guess. Yeah, free thought. Kinda. Yeah. yeah. Why? Why you ask about Twitter? Oh, um, I, I mean, I, I enjoy following you on Twitter. And uh, there was... Um, yeah, there was one particular social media thing that came up recently where you actually... You did... Uh, you had a routine where you... I think it was pre... Yeah, it was definitely pre-three-style. Um, and you had a routine where you were doing some some uh, MIDI mapping with a mixer where you mm -hmm. used one of the buttons to, to change the pitch of a track. Mm -hmm. um, and that was like really, really cool. But there was a lot of people that were criticizing you saying that yeah. you were fake. Uh -huh. But then you took to that and you explained it. Like you took an opportunity to kind of educate people. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, oh, that was really a really smart way of kind of navigating a, a tricky situation. Yeah. Um, oh, you mean just like to think of to put the pitch on the knob or oh both yeah. yeah that was really cool actually yeah like how did you how did you come up with that um dude, somebody get somebody did that before me um shit i'm like not trying to blank i, I want to i'll hopefully it comes to me so i could shout that person out um but i seen somebody do that they didn't do it like with the same the same way that i did it but i seen somebody like uh i think they just they put the they mapped the pitch mm. on a different knob 
I don't remember who did it. Um, but yeah, like I just seen somebody do it, and I was like, why didn't I think of that? Right. Yeah, I didn't come up with that shit. <laughs> but it's the DJ I mean, community. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. But yeah, but instead of like, yeah, you didn't get defensive about it, like, oh, you know, like, no, screw you, like, oh, this is real, because people were saying you were faking it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm not like that kind of person. That's I mean, yeah. Yeah, I would rather like teach people like shit, because I just learned that it was new to me too. So, I was like, uh, no, guys, actually, this is how I did it. <laughs> Mind blown, right? Here's the keys. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. That's dope. Um, but um. Yeah, other stuff like that. Did, when, when you were preparing for your routine, were you using? But did you utilize that for your routines? No, I haven't done that in a three style set. I've actually, I only did it for that video. Oh. Um. the The problem with it was like, um, you have to click the pitch. Like, uh, you know, the plus and minus signs. So like, I had to go way down in that video. I went from like, um, I think it was like, like a song that was like ninety beats per minute, but it, I, I like tripled it. Like it was like negative. 30 or negative i don't even remember what it was but it was like really really slow but like um you have to like pre-do it mm. so like i wouldn't have been able to do that on the fly like i had to like do it one time so that way it like saved the pitch right set it up kind of yeah you had to set it up so um but i mean you could still like if you want to slow something down like negative what is the first setting negative 10 or 8 if uh, you just hit internal mode in Serato. Oh, yeah, right. You got the plus or minus. It's automatically six. first. Oh, it's it's only six at first? Yeah, and then 10. Okay. Then. And the other one's like a wide one. 50. Like, and then, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think I had to I had to go to 50. Right. But you have to preset it up. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've had to play around with that myself. Let's talk a bit more about um, three style. So the, actually, the first time I met you was actually, and the first time, you know, we ever talked was in yeah. uh, Tokyo. Yep. So that was 2015, yeah. I think. Yeah, 2015. And that was that was your first. Had you like entered the three style before then? Yeah, I have. 2013. Okay. Yeah, I didn't go far actually. Uh, I won. They had more battles, so it was like a regional, and then like there was like a regional final, and then it was the U.S. final. Mm. So there was a lot more rounds. Um, I just won my regional one in San Francisco, and then I I lost the next one, which was like a, a regional final, I guess. Yeah, who'd you lose to? DJ Scene. Okay. And uh, you shout out to Scene. Uh, Compose from Hawaii. Oh, wow. And DJR. Those were the winners. Or the old Scene was first, and then I don't remember who. I think JR, DJR got second place. Okay. And Compose got third. What well, was it like going through that process? Did you. And I flopped. <laughs> <laughs> what, was the, what was the learning from that, though? Like, because I mean, you came back pretty hard. Yeah. Um,. I don't know. I went back and looked at my set and I was like, damn, that set kind of did kind of suck. Like, yeah. Everybody else just had a better set. You know, like scene killed it. He went on. You know, one thing I, I will remember that. Um, so I was like overthinking shit and I was like, I don't want to do these. I, don't, I wouldn't want to play these records because they're too obvious. And then like that day, like scene set, it was so hype, but he played like a lot of obvious songs. And I was just thinking like, like, damn, he played that? Like, I should have just played that shit. Because he was doing, like, a real, like, club set. And I think I, I went, like, left. And I was like, I don't want to do this obvious thing. But then my non-obvious set, I didn't put it together well enough. And then it just didn't work good. Right. Because yeah. it has to resonate with the judges and the crowd, right? Yeah, yeah. He definitely, well, he had, he won that night. But um, I, I think this time when I went back, I was like, I wasn't really tripping off of, like, playing obvious songs. mm Cause 
I don't know. Like I just really DJ. The shit I did at Three Style this year is like, like basically stuff I play in clubs. Right. Like, I just that's what I do. So, I just represented myself. What was 2015 like for you in Tokyo? Yeah. Um, it was pretty crazy. Actually, um, I was a wild card. So, my first night I competed, I went up against Bite, and um, he won that night. And then they ended up bringing me back for the final round as a wild card. So. I went the first night of competitions, and if you know how the uh, the competition goes, just for I guess for people who are listening who might not know, it's um there's like a week of competitions. They're all qualifier rounds. So uh, there's four qualifiers, and me and Bite went head to head on the first night. So after I lost, I had the rest of the week to kind of like watch everybody, and you don't know if you're gonna get picked to be the wild card, but um, I changed my whole set um, that week. And I was kind of like, there. actually, I missed one of the competitions because I was just in my hotel practicing in hopes that I would get the wild card. I didn't know if I was going to get it or not. Mm. Um, so I changed my whole set, and then I got the wild card and ended up coming in second place. Wow. So it was cool. I didn't even, like, you know, we work on those sets for, like, months. The fact that I, I kind of made, like, not a whole new set, but it was mostly new shit um, in three days. I was just like happy to be there. So I was like, you know what? I don't even know if like, I'm probably not gonna win because these guys have been putting their sets together for months, you know what I mean? Or however long they've been doing it. And I'm over here with this set I made in three days, like, <laughs> and I got second place. I was happy with that. But did you have like a second set? Like when you went to that uh, that finals, did you already have like a, a secondary winning set? If you, I did. Yeah, Yeah, I had, I had that second set plan, but I don't know, I was just like, over like I was talking with people and watching the other competitions and hearing records that people were playing and I don't know I just changed my mind mm -hmm. on some shit. And then this this year, this year Taiwan, uh, you had like you, did you take all the learnings from those? And yeah, I took it a lot more serious. Mm. Like I just try. I, I went all out this time. I pulled all the strings. I made all it like like I had too short do some shit for me like. Sway, Little John, uh, my homie Miles from the Bay. He's like, uh, this is real. Like, people probably didn't even know this, but there's this guy named Pilo, who's a shout producer. Out Pilo. Yeah, shout yeah. out to Pilo. HBK. Uh, yeah, yeah. What's up, HBK? Um, Pilo has his tag. Pilo, I wonder. I never even talked to him. I wonder if he's mad at me. But um, <laughs> I doubt it. He's <laughs> but, a lovely guy. So like, Pilo's tagging all his his songs. It goes like, Pilo, time to bring the bass back. So that guy who says that, his name is Miles. He's a producer and a, and a rapper too. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, YBM. He goes by YBM. He's he's a homie. I've actually known him since he was like ten. It's crazy. But um, yeah. So Miles did like that for me. But he, instead of Pilo, time to bring the bass back. He says Jay Espinosa, time to bring the Bay back. Oh wow! So like I have that little custom thing. But only if you live in the Bay Area, you would know that. That's so dope. But I literally like hit up so many people. You know, like um, yeah. I think I just took this a lot more serious. So, needless to say, you didn't put that set together in a week. <laughs> no, that was just a period. Like, I asked John to do that, little John, to do something for me. And, like, he was like, yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I got you. And I was like, fuck, he's not going to do it. And then, like, so when you're putting a set together and if you're waiting on, like, especially, like, a dub plate or anything custom, you're, like, waiting to get it. So, I'm, like, building my set. And then I'm like, okay, well... You kind of need all the pieces to put it together, mm. but you can kind of like imagine like, all right, well, I don't have it, but this is where I think I would want to use it. But it's like hard to do that if you don't have it. So I was just waiting, like 
I was like, all right, I'm gonna just wait. So I would just like do some other shit. Like, oh, I'll just try to make some tricks. But the way I put my sets together is like, I like to just start and build it and just keep going. I'm not good at like piecing stuff together. Mm. I just like go from wherever the intro is. All right, I just, now I'm going. I'm just like, all right, well, uh, I'm at 12 minutes. I need three more minutes. How am I gonna do this? Piece it together. Yeah, because the set's 15 minutes long. But um, what'd you ask me again? Well, just how, how long, <laughs> how much time did it take you to prepare all that? Um, well, the fir- it's crazy. My first set, which was like, uh, seemed to be everybody's favorite set. It was my favorite set, to be honest. Um, my first set, I made like nine or eight minutes of that in like a day. Oh, wow. And then the rest of the shit just kind of came. It flowed maybe like two weeks. Like before I even started putting it together, I was already thinking about stuff. So maybe like the total of like three weeks. That's pretty. uh... And then my second set, I was like stumped. I just like didn't have anything. I was like not motivated because I made this first set and I was like, wow, this is really dope. I did it for a couple of my friends and my friends, everybody I did it for. um, Actually, not everybody. It was only like two people, (laughs) but like, uh. Shout out those two people though. Yeah, it was. Uh, I did it for Cutso and um, my boy uh, Chris Claxarb from Bruno's in San Francisco, and they're both like, "Whoa!" Like Cutso, like didn't even say anything. He was just like, "Yeah, that's the one." Chris is more like was more. I think he was a little more critical. Chris is like super critical guy though, my homie, but not so critical because I've done things for him before, and he's been like, like okay, so when I went to Philly. I also did my set for my friend Chris, and he was kind of like he wasn't hating, but he was like, ah, like ah, I need to do something. Like maybe you should like do something. Like he wasn't like telling me like ideas of tricks and shit, but but it was just more like a vibe thing. And like I don't know, like actually, everybody I ask, like there's there will be something about them that I really respect, because you know, or else why would or else would you ask somebody for their opinion? Totally. But I totally respect those guys' opinions, and they uh, they gave me some cool advice. But like. Uh, yeah, that second, the first set for finals, um, I did it for Cutso, and he didn't say anything. He was just like, "Wow." I was like, "All right, well, what didn't you, what didn't you like about it?" He was like, "Nothing. The whole thing was fire." <laughs> like, no, for real. Just like, just keep real with me. Like, what sucked? There's had to be something. He didn't say anything. I was like, "All right, well, like that was kind of reassuring, you know?" Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I, I really respect Cutso, so. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah Cutso's sure. a great DJ. Yeah, and he's like a he's like a music historian. Like that guy knows everything. He's like, uh, what's that dude's name? Remember back in the day on MTV, uh, Matt Pinfield. Okay, I don't know. I don't have that reference. But oh shout yeah, out Matt New Pinfield. Zealand. Yeah, New Zealand. My man. bad. Sonny knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, probably a lot of people listen to this know exactly what you're talking. Yeah, Cutso's like Matt Pinfield of DJing. That's dope. You could be like, what was track thirteen and. 1991 off the blah 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 album who produced it he'd be like like he like knows everything that's dope yeah and i mean bay area you've got you've obviously got a great deal of incredible djs from there yeah so is there a certain responsibility to rep for the bay in that way for sure is that a pretty heavy responsibility or is it like how do you feel about that um nah i mean i just know i got like i got my uh all my friends that i don't think even if even if i win or lose and if I would have won or lost at three style, like they're all, everybody's proud. You know what I mean? Like um, we all hold it down for for our city. We uh, even the guys who don't do three styles or DJ competitions, just like the radio DJs, the club guys, like 
everybody's doing their thing. Like, mm. um, I don't know. It's like, not to sound too cocky, but we all know we're dope. <laughs> I mean, oh. if you can, it's not bragging if you can back it up, right? Yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. I don't really like to be like that brag, braggadocious type guy, but I mean, I'll brag for them. I how, mean, about, how about that? I'm sure. not going to talk about myself, but we got a lot of dope guys in the Bay Area. Without a doubt. No for, question. From producers to guys who throw events to the DJs, of course, like, yeah, there's like a special thing going on. And I know it's special because every time I leave the Bay, like people always tell me like, oh, like, yo, I want to come. I want to come to the Bay. Like my DJ homies will be like, yeah, I just want to come out there and like come fuck with you guys. Like, or I want to DJ out there. And us being that we live in the Bay, like we're around it all the time. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like that shit where, what was it? Like Eminem said it in the song. It's like, you're like not even impressed no more. You're used to it. So it's like we're just there all the time. So we might not really like appreciate how dope it is, I guess. Sure. So because I know me when I when I go out of town, I'm like, yo, this is dope. Like, I love Chicago. I love it here. Like San Diego's so tight. But like they want to come where we're at. It's true. Because they think it's dope, too. So, I mean, that's how that's like that's how I know it's dope. Mm. And the only reason it's dope is if you got people out there who are doing dope shit. Man, it's been like that for a long time, though. Like, I mean, tell, tell us talk us about like, um. You know, coming up in the Bay, like, who were the foundational DJs for you for, like, you know, from, I know, I think you've, you've done a lot of radio stuff as well. Yeah, right? yeah, that's how I got started, just radio. Um, my goal in life when I started DJing was to be on the radio. That was, like, that was it. Mm. I didn't know about doing clubs. I would hear, like, on the radio, they would always talk about certain clubs. They'd be, like, Jazzy Jim. Like, they would have, like, these crazy-ass commercials. You know, like, back in the day, it'd be, like, like a music bed, super produced, like on three, 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 three turntables. It's Jazzy Jim, blah, 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 with like the beat, da, 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 come out. That would be funny if someone like took that and just made something out of it. <laughs> they probably will. That would be amazing. But you know what I mean? Like, so that's how I knew about clubs. It would be from like commercials. But um, I just wanted to be a radio DJ. Like um, I wanted to mix. I wanted to do like the five o'clock traffic jam. That was like my goal. Prime time. Yeah. Um, so... But I, I would also listen to the radio guys, and then I used to like buy the DMC DJ battle tapes. So like I would watch DMC videos, and then listen to the radio. Who were the Who were the radio DJs in the Bay that were like foundational? Jazzy Jim. Jazzy Jim. The guy in the fake commercial I just made. <laughs> um, he did the five o'clock mix, and then it was Jose Melendez. Uh, this is one radio station. Um, so on that station, it was like it was like the morning mix. Greg Lopez, and then Jose Melendez at noon. Jazzy Jim would be at five. And then there was like a night mix. And when I started listening to the night mix, I think it was uh, like this guy, Rich Loxamana. They were like this celebrity. They were like the superstar DJs when I was a kid. Like um, actually, not all of them, but they still DJ. Um, and Jazzy Jim's actually the program director of uh, a radio station that I work for. Oh, uh, cool. 99.7. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay, it's like cool. a, I guess like a pop station, but we play hip hop. My my mix at night on Fridays, 10 p.m. Oh, nice. 997. Um, I play like pretty much. I mean, honestly, they let me play whatever I want. Like Jazzy's like, send me a mix. Just make sure it's fucking dope. Don't like, don't send me no bullshit. So I just send him a mix. Like sometimes it's like all hip hop. Sometimes like one week I just played all Bay Area music. Put it on the radio. Yeah, it's pretty dope. It's very rare for like a DJ to have that type of freedom on radio these days. Not like there's, you know, playlists and all that stuff. But uh, so shout out to Jazzy for letting me do, letting me do that. It's 
pretty dope. Yeah, that's a real that's a really a real gift to the Bay Area too, right? And the way that you're able to kind of pass on like a a style that you know other younger people like yourself can can come up and listen to and learn from for sure. And um, and, yeah. and I mean Bay Area music. You said you know you play. I mean we know. I know you from you know doing that on the boiler room, like really going in on a Bay Area set. Yeah, yeah. you always rep really hard for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Obviously, there's lots of music from the Bay. How how do you Tons. feel? Yeah, how do you feel yeah. about that right now? Um, there's a lot of dope new guys coming up. Um, shoot, there's people I don't even know who they are. I just like hear my friends talk about them. Like, um, I'm not like super tapped in right now. I'll admit it. Like with all the new guys who are like you know the like the guys who literally literally just put their music on youtube mm. but there's dudes like um there's this guy named all black have you heard of him no i haven't okay he's dope uh he's like he's like a rapper like if you listen but he does like he does like all kinds of shit but he'll make a song that goes in the club but he's like rapping his ass off like all black is dope um he's from oakland there's this dude named um offset jim He's kind of he's like gangster rap, but uh, he a lot of the production like you can play it at parties and people fuck with it. It's not just he doesn't make like necessarily club music, but um, and he has like a really distinct voice. Mm. He has like a kind of like a deep voice, but I don't know why his voice just sounds dope. Like he can say anything, and I'm just like hell yeah, this shit's tight. And there's like S O B R B E, yeah, you know who those guys are. They're like probably right now like the biggest guys out the bay, like um, younger dudes. Yeah, yeah, because they got on that the Black Panther soundtrack, and it was kind of like after that, it was like they're out of here. Yeah, they had a couple of joints too, really good. I mean, yeah, I mean yeah. the Bay obviously got so many great jams. Yeah, Neff the Pharaoh. That's right. Shout yeah, shout out to Neff. I am Sue Pilo, Pilo. HPK guys, Skip. Yeah, what's up? Well, what's the top five Jay Espinosa must play Bay Area jams? Well, there's you know the classics, like like Mac Dre. Um, Mac Dre has like five songs that are like, like every party in the Bay Area, like you'll hear them. Well, eh, there's like Boss Tycoon, Feeling Myself, Thizzle Dance, Get Stupid. Those are like the ones that you always hear at parties. But if you really like know Mac Dre, there's like way more songs you could play. But those four songs, those four, right? Thizzle, Feeling Myself, Boss Tycoon, Get Stupid. Those songs are like every party classics. There's like Mr. Fab, like New Oakland, D-Lo. Song is called No Ho. Um, Tell me when to go. Super hyphy. Kick the sneak. Um, I have a whole folder of Bay Area music I'm gonna give you before I leave. And <laughs> That's it, awesome. There's like a hundred songs in there, and you could probably play like all of them. That, uh, man, I'll yeah. Much if you ever come to the Bay, you can play them. Oh, I'll if play you play them out here or anywhere else, they're gonna look at you hella crazy. Like, oh, I don't know, man. The fuck is this? <laughs> we I play I play a lot of Bay Area music, and I think. Um, you know, Sonny and I would talk. We talk about like yeah. it, it's influenced a lot of a lot of different you know scenes as well. And yeah. to the point, uh, there's an artist called Trackademics. Do you know Trackademics? Yeah, 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 of course. So Track was talking about how um, you know he works a lot with uh, you know he's obviously been a big part of that music scene for a long time. Yep. And he was talking about kind of like the hyphy diaspora, if you will, and how it influenced like a lot of the LA music as well. Yeah. Uh, to the point where you know like there was like there's always a bit of a dialogue around mustard. You know, borrowing things and mm-hmm. ideas f- to you know kind of create his sound. Yeah, there was like a real tension mm. in the Bay at one point. Was there? Yeah, so bad that I've like I, I was DJing a party one time. This was like at the cellar. This was like a club that's not open anymore, but um, it was like a legendary club that like 
everybody used to go party there. It was like this, you go downstairs, it was kind of grimy, but like it was like the funnest place to go party at. But um, I was playing there one night and I played a mustard record and um, this dude comes up to me ready to like fight me. Like, yo, take this shit off. Wow. I was like, what? Like, fuck. And the dude was like, it was somebody who was like cousins with somebody from the Bay. I don't want to say no names, but a really big rapper's cousin. And they were like, take this shit off. So I was like, fuck, no, <laughs> they're ready to fight me. I was just like, we kept talking the whole time. And then like, I just let the whole song play out, just played out. And then after that, it kind of like killed my mood. And I was like, man, like, I really gonna let this dude punk me right now. Like, like I sort of know this guy, like what the fuck it was just, but it was like that tense at one point. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, track was even going on to say like, you know, people like DJ Snake, you know, they've, they've taken elements of hyphy, you know, drum sounds and programming to, to pop music. And, and, you know, uh, do you see that? Do you feel that way as well? Like what song? Like, you know, the Aluna George kind of, you know, you know, that kind of tempo. Kind of sounds like doom, 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 doom. Like, I don't know. Track, track is listening with a producer ear. True. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hey, if he said it, then I believe it. Cause that guy's like, he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just interesting to me. I thought, you know, like, yeah, the the, the Bay Area sound, yeah. the hyphy sound, you know, I mean, it was obviously popping, what, when was it popping for, for in the Bay? Hyphy? Yeah. Um, probably like, oh, oh, three, oh, four, maybe was when it started or when it got mainstream. I don't know. when. I can't say when it started, started, but I think when it got mainstream, it was like, oh, three. Mm. Yeah, around that time. And then kind of. HBK and the word hyphy actually came from Keek the Sneak. You he, coined the phrase. He that's his word. Mm. If you listen to the song Super Hyphy, it's like he says, "Hyphy, that's my word." That was actually like a shot at uh, Keek said it in an interview too, um, recently. But I, it was crazy. I was just listening to this interview and um, I never knew that. Like back in the day, that song Super Hyphy, he was taking a shot at the Federation. Oh, no way. Because the Federation had a really big song called Hyphy. Huh. Uh, Rick Rock. You know that song where Rick Rock beats? Yeah, fella, I'll rock you. Uh, I, yeah, I should know this. But okay. It's I, like a barrier classic. Okay. But that song was called Hyphy, and it blew the fuck up. So when that song got so popular, and it was like the term Hyphy, this is from what, uh, from what I heard in the interview. Um, so if I'm wrong, this is what I heard Keek say, but I'm pretty sure he, he's, you know, I don't know. But... um. I might not know what the fuck I'm talking about right now is what I'm trying to say. But from uh, what I heard, it was when Hyphy blew up, um, Keek was like, like, that's my shit. Like, you just fucking riding off of my shit. Mm. But back in those days, I never knew that. Um, I was I was actually, I'm, I'm still cool with them. We don't talk all the time. But um, shout out to the Federation. Those are uh, another, like, like how you were asking me earlier. Top like, five joints? Yeah, like Federation, Hyphy. That Federation had a bunch of songs that, like, still go off in parties if you play them from that era. Yeah. But yeah, the song Hyphy was their biggest record. And then Keek came out with Super Hyphy and he was like, that's my word. Right. But he was talking to them. Huh. Never knew that shit. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's probably a lot of lingo that comes from the Bay though as well, right? I mean. Yeah, shout out to E-40. Yeah, I was going to say E-40 yeah. coming, coming with I it. I still don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> you ever talk to him, he's like, you'd be like, what does that mean? It's yeah. so great though. It's so much personality. Yeah, definitely. For sure. Um, so speaking of... Um, of personality and rappers, uh, who who are your like favorite 
artists that you like to play from the Bay? Minus like the classic stuff that yeah, we yeah, were yeah, talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, like I was saying right now, like that dude, All Black and uh, and Offset Jim, they got some dope shit. They actually have a song together too called Penny and Shaq. Right. That's pretty dope. And Pilo, he's your. Oh yeah, fuck yeah, yeah. we play Pilo all day. Nice. Yeah, it's weird because Pilo, like, um, he's like hella famous now. But, you know, we've been seeing him for, for a long-ass time do his thing, but he's uh, getting the credit he deserves. Yeah. Because he's always been super talented. I have a funny Pilo story, actually. Yeah, let's hear it. All right. So this is, it's like, I, I sort of talked to him about it, too, but um, he didn't really, like, it was over text. He didn't really say that much back to me. But back in the day, this was, um, you know, Young California? Yeah. DJ Amen. Amen, yeah. And Dre Sinatra. And Shout out Charisma. those guys. Yeah, Charisma, yeah. for sure, for sure. So... So when Young California first started, I DJed their first party. It was with like K Rich, who's from the Valley, like Stockton. And Charisma came down from LA and it was Amen and me. So I was like, I don't know. I wasn't, I can't say I was like a part of it, but I did their first party ever. And then that, they, I think it was like a week or two. It was like, they had one party in San Francisco and they had one party in San Jose, which is like the South Bay. Um, the party in San Jose, the, all the HBK, HBK guys were there. It was like Sue and like JN and Pilo, but I didn't know who the fuck Pilo was. Like I just knew at that point, I think I knew I am Sue and I knew JN. Um, but JN had this song that I was playing in the clubs. I forget what it was called, but Pilo was on it. I think Pilo might have even produced it. Mm. Uh, probably JN produced it. You guys know who JN is? I know who JN is. Okay, yeah. yeah. He's another guy who's like doesn't get a lot of credit he deserves, probably, but he's like a behind the scenes dude. He does music, but he's like very talented, writes music, um, produces. He's sick. Like, Jayan's dope. Uh, he needs to put more shit out. Mm. I mean, pe- the, people it, need to like hear him more. And the HBK guys, I mean, they're, they all produce and rap and do all sorts of stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, um, so back to the Pilo story, right? So um, we're at a club and I'm playing this song and I cut Pilo out of, of the song. Like, I just played the J-Amp part, and I don't know, maybe, like, Sue was on it. Oh, but shit. it was, like, the original song was structured, like, it was, like, J-Amp, Pilo on the second verse, and, like, Sue on the third, I think. But I just skipped the middle verse, and I played the end. And at the party, like, Jay comes up to me, and Jay were cool. Jay was like, hey, like, keep, what about the Pilo verse? He didn't play. I didn't realize Pilo was there. I didn't know who he was. And I didn't like the verse. So I oh. think I told I told Jay, and I was like, no, oh, that shit's whack, bro. Like, I don't I just play like, you know, as DJ, like, we'll play like the best parts. Yeah. But me not understanding at that time that it wasn't about that. It was about like supporting them. These guys are in the room. Mm. They came to the party, play their shit. Mm-hmm. That was the right thing to do. But me being like stubborn, I was like, nah, I'm not going to play that shit. And I don't know. I think he like, I feel like he might have took that shit. Personally. Like, like he might, he could have got offended by that. I could see, I could see why anybody would get offended, you know? For sure. And especially like, shit, this was like, this was years ago. So they were a lot younger. I was a lot younger too. But um, yeah, I always wanted to talk to him about that shit. Because I was like, I wonder if he got mad at me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but I don't know. I think he's probably moved past it now. He's got, oh, he's, he's probably using he's, them. He's, he probably doesn't even remember, but <laughs> but I'm, he might. And he used his, uh, his drop and the and the routine. I know. He's probably so. like, fuck Jay. <laughs> fuck him. Called <laughs> in a grudge since two thousand one. <laughs> um, but actually, um, you uh, you also play for a local team. You DJed for the well, no, I guess not anymore. But you DJed for the Raiders, right? I still do. You still do. Yeah. And the Raiders uh, is sixth season. I think I'm on with them. 
Okay. Yeah. So the and the Raiders aren't moving or anything. Yeah, they're moving to Vegas. Okay, that's what I mean. But we got one more season in Oakland. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So you'll be playing for the Raiders for another season. I'll be playing with them for another season and hopefully in Vegas too. Oh, cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I think we're going to Vegas. <laughs> so it's me and uh, my boy Chino. Chino's actually uh he's like the you could say he's a hype man. So yep. I'm the DJ. He's a hype man. Uh, Chino does radio like all over San Diego and in the Bay, or he used to do it at the Bay, but um. So me and Chino were at the draft party last year, because we're, we're we always talk about it. Like, damn, we're like, are they gonna take us to Vegas? Like, what's, we don't know what's gonna happen. So we're at the draft party, and um, it was like I think it was at the end of the party, and like our big boss was chilling with us, and we were we were just like we we walked over him to say hi, whatever, we we're just bullshitting, and he was like, yeah, I can't wait for you guys you guys to get out to Vegas with us. So me and Chino were like, hey, we're going to Vegas. <laughs> but that was the only time we've ever talked about it. But I mean. Coming from the big boss, he said that, so shit. They got the eye out um, for you. I'm still like holding on to that, Brad, if you're listening. <laughs> no doubt. Yes, we will see you in Vegas. Um, but what's it like playing for the Raiders? Like, what's, I mean, what's, that's a whole different world, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 50,000 people, drunk. Some of them aren't, but most of them probably are. Um, raging in a Coliseum, football, testosterone, even the girls. <laughs> It's crazy, but you know when you, it's like a it's not like a club set. It's like a, anybody who DJs for a sports team. Pretty much what you do is like you're cramming like the biggest songs, like anthem music. Uh, you have to just cram. Like I have a minute to DJ sometimes. So oh, wow. So if I wanted to, I could put a song on for a minute and just stand there and you know do all that stuff. Cause you're on the jumbotron, like, and part of the gig you kind of need to be like that. Cause when the camera goes on you. Um, if you're just standing there, like, queuing up a song, like, you can't be on the big-ass screen at a football game. So I'm either, like, really going in or I'm, like, I'm, like, partying, you know? But uh, I try to, like, cram songs in. I do as much as I can with that minute and 30 seconds that I have. Hmm. Yeah, and you got to play, like, you got to get right to the point. No buildups. Just, like, as soon as you start, like, high energy for three minutes, or not three minutes, like, uh, however short that set is they're usually like one minute sets and then i do like a warm-up set for the players mm. so um when they're warming up before the game I'll, I'll dj for like it's usually like 30 minutes and i'm just playing hip-hop and like you know like songs that the players want to hear do they tell you what they want to hear um no but we've actually had um i've had meetings with the staff like with the raiders people at headquarters and like um they like the raider fans they like hip-hop West Coast hip hop, funk music, and like classic rock. Oh. So, like, that's just like what it is. Like ACDC, <laughs> all that shit. Raider fans are serious, right? I mean, yeah. they're very, very loyal. Yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, we're in LA and we see obviously the history they've had here and people still really ride for the Raiders really hard. Yeah. The L LA claims the Raiders too, just mm -hmm. as much as the Bay. Right. Yeah. Ice Cube is like a huge, well, you know, like all the NWA shit, those guys, they're all Raidered out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my my opinion, they got the coolest logo in the game. I hope nothing changes when they go to Vegas. Like that would be crazy if it wasn't silver and black anymore. I'm sure it is gonna be. Fingers crossed. Yeah, that'd be weird if it was like all of a sudden it's like blue and yellow or something. Like what? <laughs> um, so you're talking about playing, you know, the hits for the Raiders game. You're you're doing three style. Would you consider yourself like? How do you feel about this this term open format? Uh, open format to me would just 
that doesn't even exist. That's like an industry term. Like, mm. like I always thought it was just DJing. Mm. Like when I started DJing, um, I just thought that DJs had to be good at doing everything. Like that's what made you dope. Like if you could play house music, if you could play R&B, hip hop, rock, breaks, whatever it was like, that's because, okay, well, I grew up listening to radio guys and on the radio station that I listened to, um, they played like freestyle music, house music, hip hop. The mixes back in the day would be like um, the five o'clock mix. It would be half hip hop and half house. Hmm. So if he started with hip hop, you knew after the first commercial break, he was coming back with house music. That's just what it was. So like, I just thought that, oh yeah, I got, like if you DJ, you gotta play and all these house records. He would even play like trance music and shit, but wow. this was like, this was like in the late nineties. But it would be like freestyle, hip hop, pop music. Um, yeah, they would play everything. That's just what I thought you had to do. Mm. So when the term open format comes up, it's like, that's just DJing. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, if you want to put yourself in a box and you call yourself like, I am whatever genre of music DJ. And that's what you specialize in. But being like open format, that's just DJing. Right. Yeah, that's that's how I feel about it. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, and no. I guess knowing the right, like right music to play for the right environment. Mm-hmm. And then, but how would you describe your style of DJing? Just like what I was telling you. Like uh, I don't know. I play everything. Bay Area style. I guess. <laughs> well, shout out to the guys that I grew up listening to. I mean, I'm just like a product of all that shit. Like I listen to a track. You know, doing routines and shit. Like I listen to Qbert. I used to watch his videos, like, you know, like those old school videos where it was like him and his mom's basement. Yeah, like I wanted to, I mean, that was like fucking, I could never scratch like him, but I would like watch it and be like, damn, like I want to do that, you know? So I took a little piece of all that, the radio guys. And then as I got older, I would start finding out about newer guys. I mean, to this day, I always, I still, you know, we always find out about new shit. Mm. Maybe not you, you guys at Serato, because you guys literally know every DJ in the world, probably. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not every DJ, yeah. but um, I guess my do. Well, I don't know. I don't like whatever. If you want to call it open format, that's cool. I guess that's that's what I do. Mm. But I, I just don't like to call it that. Yeah, it's fair enough. I mean, it's an interesting. Uh, it's an inter- interesting term that I don't know why it exists exactly where it came from. A, doesn't it just mean that you play everything? Yeah, multi-genre. Yeah. So, like, if I have to say I'm an open format DJ for somebody to understand what I do, that's fine. Whatever. Right. I mean, if you want to call it that, cool. But, like, three style, for example, is yeah. literally you have to pay, play three different styles of music. Yeah. Well, started as three, but, I mean, nobody just plays three. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shit, some guys didn't even play two. Really? Or maybe they just played two. I don't know. When you hear a three style set, if they literally just played three styles of music, it's kind of like you feel like robbed. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm not going to. I don't know. I can't even tell you, like, if anyone specific played a set that was just like one type of music. But there was a couple guys who probably didn't really, uh, I don't know, like dig and play. Like, you know, like some sets might be like electronic music like a lot of electronic music, like more festival style. Um, I, I was actually interested on that though, like, you know, you, you were in Taiwan and and when we were in Japan, you know, you're in a country where they don't speak, you know, English is not the first language. Yeah. 
And so a lot of music that is popular in North America, Western music that is especially rap music, right? Mm-hmm. It's very like, you kind of have to understand what they're talking about like to, to get it. I mean, you can just listen to the beats, but you'll miss a lot if you're not paying attention to what's being said in the lyrics. Um, how was it like for you playing in those environments? You know, do you have to change the music you're playing to kind of appeal to that crowd? What I've noticed about playing in Asia in general, because I go out there pretty often, um, I haven't been all over Asia, more just like, like uh, I've been to like Shanghai a bunch of times, Taipei a couple of times, um, a few other places, but like uh, the stuff that's like singy, like catchy, if it's like, uh, 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 like they will sing those parts. You know what I mean? Like they might not, it's funny, you could even like look at people, like, you know, when they're rapping the words, like you'll watch their mouth and they're kind of like rapping it wrong. But like they get the parts that are real like singy. Mm. So like, um, but then I did this other club, um, this place, and it was like literally all trap music. And they just well, like the sound of it. it. Like if it sounded like trap music, then they liked it. Like trap rap. Yeah. Like not EDM trap. Nah, that's a different conversation. <laughs> when I say trap, I mean like trap music. Right. Like not EDM trap. Just, like just important to make that defi- that definition. For EDM. When people say trap and they're referring to EDM, what is? Do you want to talk about that? That's, that's a whole not my place, man. It's, uh, that's a whole different discussion. For sure. Trap music is talking about the trap. Mm-hmm. It's not EDM just because it's seventy beats per minute. That doesn't mean it's trap music. Mm. Like if you make a song that's one hundred and twenty-eight, does that mean it's house music? It's an interesting question. What like, if it's like? Andre Nicotina. It's a very good example. It's not house music. It's yeah, AO for you. Yeah, yeah, it's like 128 beats per minute, right? Does that mean it's house music? Just because it's that tempo? It's stupid. That's a great song. Great song. Right. Except for if you don't do Yayo, it's kind of weird. <laughs> uh, just the vibe. That though. was like the, the 90s version of I'm in love with the Coco. That's true. Yeah. 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 That was like a skateboard anthem, too. And I'm in love with the Coco? No, no. Uh, Andre Nicotina. Oh. In fact, um, do you, did you ever grow up skateboarding? Yeah, I did. So yeah. I used to skateboard and rollerblade. Oh wow. Yeah. That was that's a conflicting combo right yeah, there. Yeah, I used to fight myself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know how they used to like fight though? Like it'd be like skaters, oh, yeah, skaters yeah. versus rollerbladers. For sure. It's yeah. uh you know, it was a tense Yeah, like if you went to the skate park with rollerblades on, like someone was gonna someone's gonna throw a skateboard at you. Yeah, you can yeah. gonna get heckled for sure. Yeah. I lived in like Pleasanton though, so ain't nobody really doing that shit out there. But but, anyway. <laughs> but you think about especially San Francisco of huge skate culture and that song Andre Nicotina's AO was like featured in like a Mike Carroll video part. For like, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was and that was like, I remember my friend. I had a, a friend in, in in Vancouver, Galia. Shout out Galia. He was like, "Yo, you got to play this." And he's a he was a pro skater and stuff. But yeah, that song was literally like a skate anthem. You know, that's crazy. Mm. Never knew that. Really? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's a really big a big tune. And And Andre's from the Bay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's from a uh, Fillmore, I think. Wow. I should be positive about that. Pretty sure he's from Fillmore. Yeah. That's like an area in San Francisco. But did you, you know, as coming up as a skateboarder slash rollerblader, did you get like a lot of music from those skate videos? No. no. I Look, when I was a skater, I don't know if I was even really aware of like the actual like culture of skating. It was just something I did with my friends. Like, um, yeah, I, I didn't know what culture meant. I was just skateboarding. But uh yeah, I used to like, you know, like Thrasher Magazine and all that shit, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, that was a very important part of San Francisco culture. I'm from Livermore, okay. um, which is like this, it's like, I say it's Bay Area. It's probably like the last city in the Bay Area. Like once you go past Livermore, you're like in the Valley. Okay. So like, um, I grew up there and it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like away from everything. Like, yeah, I missed all that dope San Francisco culture shit back in the day. I was like in my city, I don't know, like doing some other shit. What was the popping thing in Livermore? We had a duck pond. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, like, lame. Um, nah, there's not really a whole lot to do out there, bro. Like, um, in Livermore, yeah, um, there's two high schools. There's a, a continuation school. There's a couple continuation schools. Um, yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, people out there just like did drugs and had kids. It's like one of those small cities where, and like everybody in the city knows each other. A lot of people from Livermore, like literally like never move out of Livermore. Like they still live there. I have people that I know like from back in the days, like they're still there. Like it's just one of them cities, but that's home for me. Like whenever I go back to Livermore, it's like, I always feel like, I always, I don't think it's ever really going to happen, but I always say, say like one day I'm probably going to like end up moving back there. It's like when I'm hella old, if I don't live somewhere tight, like on an island or something. <laughs> I might be back in Livermore fucking around. Well, it's pretty cool, though. You get to, now you're traveling the world. You're getting to see some other places. Yeah. Yeah. What are your yeah, favorite places sure. to go? At, oh, that you've been so far? Man, to be honest, like, um, I like all, all types of places for different reasons. Like, um, New Orleans to me is like always one of my favorite places because um, it, it kind of reminds me of the Bay. Like, mm. like, in the sense that they have their own shit there. And it's like, you go to New Orleans and if you go out, like you're gonna hear music that you don't hear anywhere else. They got good food. Uh, the people there are dope. It's kind of like, I feel like it's like almost like that Southern hospitality. Like people are just friendly out there. Um, yeah, I really like New Orleans. Um, and like maybe, uh, I really love Asia. Yeah? Yeah, I've actually been able to go out there like a good amount of times. Um, Singapore, um, Taipei is an awesome place um, and it's kind of like special to me I guess because I you know I, I got to win the championship there so maybe that's why I like it a little bit more for sure but it is a really dope place and um, DJing out there is mad fun too awesome is there anything uh, particularly good food wise from Taipei that you'd recommend so they have this like uh, I forget what the it's 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 chicken rice okay oh wait no is that Taipei or am I mixing it up with, with Singapore? Have you heard of that chicken rice? Uh, I mean, I've had chicken and rice. It's different though. <laughs> it's like, it's not the same. It's not like, that sounds boring, right? Like chicken rice, like what? But they do it out there. I think it's Taipei. I think it's Taiwanese. Um, that shit. They have this like food area, right? Like um, out there, it's like, they have these like food. I don't know. It's like like a food court type thing, but it's like way bigger. And there's like all these stands, kind of like a, uh, they have these like street fairs where they have like, you know, different food trucks and stuff. So they have like mad like food areas, but there's this one, um, I think it's Taiwan, Taiwanese. But they got this chicken rice if you ever go there. Sounds good. Fuck with the chicken rice. Outside of DJing, is food like a thing that you're into? Yeah, hell yeah. 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 Do you cook? Not really. It's kind of hard being a DJ, right? Yeah. I'm just lazy though. <laughs> I'd rather go somewhere and they make it better than me. Fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm not really giving myself like um credit, I guess, or like you know how like if you like if you, I'm just lazy. I don't want 
I do want to learn, but I just haven't. It's tough. You got to make it a priority. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm real basic. Like I, I've lived on my own since I was 18. So oh, wow. you got to learn how to like make something or else you're going to just like, you know, when I was like 18, when I moved out, I didn't have enough money to go out to eat every day. Mm. So I got, I'm basic with it. Get by. Yeah. Nice. Well, I think that's about it, man. Is there, is there anything else that you wanted to quickly touch on? Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, congrats again on, on being the world champ. Thank you, bro. Cool. Oh.